Independence Day message. Wisdom and ten basic issues of life. You know, it's interesting what has been going on. And there's so much going on every week that is designed to uh, counter the Lord Jesus Christ. To prepare us for the Antichrist. Uh, If you don't get um, Andy Wood's uh, pastor's point of view... Uh, news I'm just going to highlight from this is not even the last one it's the one before that Biden administration takes major step to roll back Trump's Jerusalem embassy move heard any of that I hadn't heard any of that in the deal you know that great thing to move it to Jerusalem and now he's going to try and move it back to Tel Aviv how about anti-semitism is this going on Presbyterian reverend who compares Zionism to apartheid was named to a key World Council of Churches post. How about uh, apostasy? Survey shows fewer Americans believe in God today than ever before. Now that is that means we're battling atheism. They're not just sin, but a denial of whether or not God exists. How about depravity? Michigan Attorney General calls for a drag queen for every school. Religious oppression uh, from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, There there was a proposal to uh, ban conversion therapy. Now, Conversion therapy, basically, you have to stop and think about this, but if a person is wanting to change from one gender to another gender or any of those other things, they need to go through therapy in order to be approved, if you will, to make certain transitions. And uh, there was a city council, there was a city council and proposal that, um, uh, that it be banned, uh, that they couldn't even deal with it. Because a lot of times when people go through what they're really facing, they don't want to do it. So they don't want any therapy to be done there. And so the um, mayor uh, vetoed this thing. And Mark of the Beast technology, just a few things. MasterCard piloting a new technology lets shoppers make payments with just their face or hand at the checkout point. It's already there. We knew it was coming. But it's just saying, no, it's, it's not asleep. It hasn't gone backwards in its push toward this one world government. What it has done is it continually keeps moving. You know, one thing that hit me, somehow the Python illustration has come to me over the last, I don't know, weeks or months, could have been years. But anyway, a Python grabs hold of its prey and it squeezes. And every time its prey relaxes and takes a breath, it tightens again. And it doesn't let go. But still the python keeps breathing. I found that interesting because that's the way the devil is trying to take control of this world. That's the way the conspirators, if you will, call it what you like, there's a bunch of people think the same way. Whether or not they sit down at a table and plan all this out, If you have the same worldview, guess what? You're headed the same direction, and that's where it comes about. It's not necessarily a planned thing. It's just that we see the philosophy this way, and this is the way we're going 
after it. Now, <clears throat> that it has been said that the Christian worldview is the only worldview that provides a consistent explanation of all the facts of reality. Sue was asking me about reality earlier. Now, this extends to all the basic elements of life because part of what is going on with the uh, liberal atheistic viewpoint is, well, that's your reality, but this is my reality, and there's a whole bunch of different realities. And what they're doing is confusing words in the process because there is a reality. Mount St. Helens erupted. You can't deny it. But is it, was it caused by global warming? Was it an act of God? How do you interpret it? Reality is how do you go about interpreting, interpreting what is really happening with a good set of facts and data. Now, this book, Understanding the Times, and I have an older version here. I think we bought a couple of cases of these a long time ago for everybody in the church that wanted one. And if you don't have one and would like one, let me know, and we'll, I'll see that you've got one. This is done by David Noble, Summit Ministries. Um, he, I've heard him speak. Uh, Dan Hawkins lived next door to him, best friends with his son. While back in high school a long time ago, David Noble is a good man, and he understands worldviews and how they come about. I like this book because it's easy to read. Very, very uh, in-depth. Got a lot of good information to it. So if you don't have one, would like one, get one. And I'd let me know and I'll, I'll find one for you. We also had that Battle for the Mind or one of those other books back there. It's kind of a condensed version of it. But <clears throat> and anyway, what he has done is put together ten basic elements such as theology, philosophy, ethics, biology. And he's compared them with secularism, which is humanism. That's on your chart. That's what, uh, Hopefully you can read the chart. Uh, Marxism, postmodernism, the new spirituality, which is basically Hinduism, Islam, and Christianity. And you'll see that each one, some of those have overlaps in them, but it is basically what their basic thought processes are in any given area. You can take the, the column for secularism, and you can... Read down through your theology. Well, their 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 theology is they're atheist. Their philosophy is materialism and naturalism. Things have always existed. That's their basic philosophy. Ethics is moral relativism, okay, or Unitarianism. Now, those are uh, that moral relativism means it changes. Now, people in the United States for a long time knew that there were certain standards of morality and they were defined by the Bible. But when you throw God out, you throw the Bible out. So that, that means that ethics can be ever-changing. Just like in politics now, it's often whatever, whatever uh, wins is ethical. So it's kind of hard to have an ethical committee of politicians. Whenever, if you have them loaded with people that think, well, if it works, that's all that matters. And so this is a, a great chart that helps understand different things because we're going to run it. We run into all these on a weekly basis. One way or another, one degree or another, we run into these things. So where is this statement coming from? You want a way to evaluate it, then, then get some idea of where does this fit in the worldviews. Now, it's been said 
that the Christian uh, worldview, and I just read that, is it's a consistent explanation. Now, this is quoting this book, Understanding the Times, David Noble. It's his conclusion that he's reached, and I, I fully concur with it, not that he cares or anybody else cares that I concur with it. But I think it is a good, uh, a good thing. Now, look what C.S. Lewis said. Christianity is something that mankind could not have guessed. It's not something suitable for the imagination that was dreamed up. But once revealed, it's recognizable as indisputable truth. Once you become, become conscious of it, to what is really going on, you go, how can, how can it be anything but? And that's where I think most of us are. As far as Christianity goes, they're going to come after us one day. They're going to beat us. They're going to hurt us. They're going to kill us. And my response is, so what? So what? Because I, I firmly believe the Bible is the Bible. It's the revelation of God. And he says, you believe in my son, you'll be with me forevermore. That's what I believe. Now, if you believe that fully, okay, then what can man do to you? Psalm 56, David. What can man do to me? That means that I can look at this mess that's going on in our government right now. I can look at inflation on a global scale. Did the Bible say anything about that maybe? Quart of wheat for a denarius? Denarius was a day's wage. What a quart of wheat do? Make two or three loaves of bread? Huh, sound like inflation, doesn't it? Massive inflation. We're headed there. You don't have you don't have to uh, look hard to find that. It's just there. There exists competing definitions of wisdom that are identifiable. Competing definitions of wisdom that are identifiable. How do we know that? James chapter three, verse thirteen to eighteen. Who among you is wise and understanding? Okay, question ask by James. Let him show. So you can show whether or not you're wise and understanding by his, by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. Okay, wisdom has true diplomacy in it. Wisdom has gentleness in it. Wisdom can know whenever the gentleness moves over to something that requires a more for, forceful response. That's what wisdom is. That's how wars and righteous wars, there are righteous wars, actually are conducted. Is this a result of true wisdom? And if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, in other words, you don't like the people in power because it's not you, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, that's what you want. And basically, if you're narcissist, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom is, this wisdom is not that which comes from above. The wisdom he's talking about is arrogant and it lies against the truth. Whenever we have a law system that is set up where attorneys are taught to win cases, not to find truth, and justice, then you have a mess like we have now. That's what it is. People say, what is your justice? What is your truth? It's not what is my truth. It's what is God's truth. And we better start from there or the rest doesn't matter. But what happens when the atheists infiltrate the law schools? 
Guess what? Then the Constitution laws become an ever-changing evolutionary thing. Thank you, John Marshall, Chief Justice, Supreme Court, who came out with that brilliant statement in one of his things. And thankfully, I'm going to praise God for some of the decisions lately. They had the foresight to say, we're going to go back to what is written, not what has been misinterpreted. We're not, we're, that's what we're going to do. Are they going to catch flack for it? Yeah. And one thing it has been said about whenever you got flack coming your way, you're evidently over the target. So they evidently got over the target quite well. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. Do you think that's mark of our nation right now in the world? For the wisdom from above is first pure. There's a standard to it. It's like refining of gold or silver. The refiner's fire. We're put through the refiner's fire. What happens when you refine silver? How does the, how does the refiner know the silver is pure? They know it's pure when they can see their face in it. They heat it. They boil out the impurities. And when they finally see their face in it, they know the impurities are gone. Why does he put us through the refiner's fire? Because he wants to see his face in us. That's why. Is it going to stop? I think when we get this new body, it will. But I think we're going to be refined until we're called home. But it's first pure, then it's peaceable. It's gentle. And how about this, reasonable? I haven't saw, seen a whole lot, seen or saw, I haven't witnessed <laughs> a lot of these so-called um, uh, things, what are what this displays that they're doing outside of various uh, government facilities. I haven't seen um, reasonable. What about all the parades we've had over this last year, or last month, where there's absolute depravity out in the street and people are bringing kids to see it? It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd in any culture except maybe the Baal culture and the Canaanite culture and some of those, but not in any so-called nation that's supposed to have some Christians in it. It's reasonable. It means you can sit down and talk. We were talking at breakfast yesterday morning, and that's well, why are there so many disagreements? Because people don't like to sit down and talk through the disagreements. Reasonable. You might not agree, but if you haven't talked through it, you haven't given it a fair hearing. Full of mercy. good. This is wisdom from above. And good fruits. And unwavering without hypocrisy. The seed whose fruit is sown in righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now there are ten basic issues. Uh, you call them issues, areas, whatever you want to uh, title them. But what are they? And Dr. Noble has done a good job putting these together. His uh, son-in-law took over from him at Summit Ministries. And uh, Summit Ministries, it, it, a lot of Christians I don't think have ever heard of Summit Ministries. And it has been operational now probably 50 years. And they would bring kids 
to Colorado Springs, Manitou Springs, Colorado Springs, Colorado, to their facility. I visited it once. And they would bring them for two weeks. And they would take kids, high school to college, and teach them worldviews. And teach them this book. And teach them what the Christian worldview is. And why it is so diametrically opposed to these other ones. They would be able to teach them what the schools did not. What the schools chose not to. I I went to Dewey School, Dewey Elementary School in Oklahoma City, over just north of the state capitol building. I went in 1955. Now, it was named after John Dewey. Most people don't know who John Dewey is. I just thought, well, he's somebody that's evidently well-known. He's got his name on the school when I was... Went there for seven years from kindergarten through the sixth grade. Went there the whole time. John Dewey was on the board of the ACLU when it founded. I didn't didn't know that till actually yesterday. John Dewey was head of uh, seated on the board the board of the American Humanism Society. Now this was a this is the 50s when I'm there, and here is a school that is named in honor of this guy that is atheistic and contrary to everything that the uh, that the United States stood for. Okay, now we had a principal, Mrs. Murnane, didn't think that way, but somehow she got to be principal of the school, and we still had prayers and. If you got in trouble, you still got a SWAT in the office. So <laughs> anyway, there was still a sign of discipline, but that's that's what happened. Started happening a long time ago. Theology, or what do you think about God? Logos means a word. Theos, God, a word about God. So that's theology. So what are your thoughts about God? And everybody's got thoughts about Him. Everybody does. What about philosophy? Philosophy is the attempt to discover an explanation for the entire existence of reality. There is a world that we are a part of, and we want to know the explanation. That's called philosophy. And you go back and say, where did it come from? I mean, that's not a, that's not a decadent question to ask. It's not an unreasonable question to ask. It is a reasonable question to ask. Where did we come from? So philosophy has tried to answer that question as far back as there have been philosophers. How do we get here? How did we get here? How do we get any idea of a moral code? Well, maybe because the designer is the one that established it. So we know there is a right and wrong. Inherently there is a right and wrong. It's one of the proofs of the existence of God, the moral argument. Where did morality come from? Otherwise, we're just cavemen beating each other over the head with sticks and dragging our our female back off to the cave to produce other little cavemen. I don't think that's the way it happened. That's not the picture we get with Adam and Eve, is it? Or Cain and Abel? It was wrong for Cain to kill Abel. Flat out wrong. Did he know it? I don't think he tried to plead ignorance, did he? He knew it because there's some things that we hold these truths to be self-evident. We find ethics, these are moral issues, and ethics are driven by standards. So if you do away with standards that, that and have standards that are constantly moving, what happens to the ethics? All the cheating that goes on. 
whenever people, again, when, when prosecutors, all they want is their tally count. How many, how, many tri- how many they take to trial and how many did they get convicted? And they don't care. Some of them, I know there's, they're, I, I'm not going to make a blank, blanket statement. I'm just, Larry the Cable guy said, 99% of attorneys give the rest a bad name. <laughs> so sometimes that's the case. But when you need them, you need them. But you want an honest one. You don't want one that's going to take the truth, twist the truth. Why do you think Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees? The scribes are the attorneys. What did they take? The Mosaic Law. What did they do with it? Twist it. What were they known as? Workers of iniquity. They would conveniently leave out portions of truth. They would conveniently hide evidence. They did that in order to say, see how good of an attorney I am. Now, (laughs) that's not ethical to do that. Moral issues driven by standards. Biology is the study of living organisms. And that's where we come from. The study of living organisms. Something very simple that uh, we should have some idea. What about psychology? Now, I, I have seen books I, I read some books by uh, Larry, Dr. Larry Crabb who was a Christian psychologist and I have seen people come down on Dr. Crabb unmercifully unmercifully because they say well he's a psychologist and he quotes Young and he quotes this that and the other you know it's an interesting thing about him is he, ex- he was writing for Christians. He expected you to know something about the Bible before you read his books. And he did not quote every single chapter and verse in there. Well, the Christians went nuts and said he's just a secular shrink. That's all he is. They went crazy about that. And their books written anti him. And he's, he is one of the clearest guys with a counseling model that there is. Is Here's the problem. Where did it come from? How do you fix it? Very, very clear in doing that. Dr. Larry Crabb. But he was a bad guy. I've had conversations with uh, pastors. Some well known on the national scale. And um, uh, we got into one particular incident up in a Denny's in Kansas City a long time ago. And I (laughs) I said... You know, suke is the word for soul, right? Yeah. Lagos is the word for word. So it's a word about the soul. That's what psychology means. Don't you think the Bible has something to say about that? Because it does. Psychology is the title of a study of the soul, mind, and spirit. That's what it is. But it's not inherently evil. It can be come evil but inherently of itself it's not because the Bible talks about the soul and the man and the woman he breathed into their nostrils the neshamakayim and haish became a living soul so where did the soul come from (laughs) God if you think it just happened you got the wrong worldview that's in there Sociology is a systematic study of human society and its origins, development, organizations, and institutions. It's basically looking at how groups fit together and how they, how they interact with each other. Sociology. Some people just don't like other people. Shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way, but it has been that way. Cain didn't like Abel, right? 
Why? Because he didn't do, uh, he did things right, and Cain didn't. Then he didn't like him, he killed him as a result of it. What happens after the flood? The Tower of Babel comes into play. Okay? And then God disperses the Tower of Babel. And you know, here you've got people that all came from one race through Adam and Eve, right? They got narrowed down again to Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their wives. Eight people. It's what the Bible clearly says, eight people. Now, in those eight people were all the genetics that you see manifested today. Okay? We have different skin colorations, different eye colorations. We have different languages that developed out of the Tower of Babel with another interesting little miracle. How do you suddenly take one language and convert it into about a hundred basic languages? How do, how do you do that? Complete with words, vocabulary, grammatical systems and all that. And the people go on their way and they find people they can talk to. So the Lord divided, divided them in. That's sociology. But you know sociology, sociologists don't consider the Genesis 11 account of the Tower of Babel. So how are they ever going to figure out where these societies came from? And people get upset with others because they're just, they're um, different. Well, we're human beings. They've estimated 12 billion people have lived on the earth since Adam and Eve. Half of them are alive today. And we're different. Seems like these things, fingerprints. Those are all different. What about eye prints? Your eyeballs. Those are different. We all <coughs> look similarly alike. <coughs> we're all different. And I think we're all wacky in our own particular way when it comes, comes down to it. Then we have law. These are statements about which acts require punishment and to what extent. To what extent. These are statements that says this is legitimate to do within this societal structure. And you see how these things are starting to they will blend together. These things will overlap. And as you study these things, you go, well, law is often developed for society. How is it frequently de developed out of politics? So who wants what and when? How do people that want to control you, own you, and do all those other things, and they push politically to get things done. And if they have no ethics, then they don't care how they get done as long as they get done their way. <clears throat> what about uh, economics? These are financial standards you use to establish value. And it's interesting. Why do we have so much of inflation? I do not believe it is solely Vladimir Putin's problem. I do not believe that it is solely the oil producer's problem. I do not believe that, in fact, if you studied economics back when a lot of us did, back in college, you find out when you put more money <laughs> into the financial system than it's got backing for, going after these goods and services, the prices go up. That's what happens. That's why it's called inflation. Inflating the monetary system. What happened about 1932? Wasn't it Hoover that took us off the gold standard? They didn't print any money prior to that because the you see look at old money in the United States it'll say gold certificate or it'll say silver certificate on it and that's what that that said that for that bill 
there was gold backing it in the United States Treasury. Or there was silver backing it. So then they did away with the gold standard. Oh, guess what? It was $32 an ounce for a long, 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 long time. And then now what's it worth now? 2000 an ounce? You could literally, between those fingers, hold up five ounces of gold and be worth $10,000. Can you imagine that? You can take an ounce of gold right now and you can buy two or three suits. If you take, a, take a, what, a pound of gold, 16 times 2, $320,000, you could buy a Lamborghini and have money left. I mean, that's, that's the way things have, have gone. Economics. These are things that establish value in history. History is the analysis of prior events in the past. I decided to be redundant there. Prior events in the past is a little bit redundant. You can put a period after events and X the rest of it out to be grammatically correct. That one slipped by before I, <laughs> before I stopped it at the printer. Anyway, I don't think anybody would say I'm never redundant anyway, so it just kind of confirmed your deepest fears. <laughs> Individual perspectives concerning worldviews at their core derive from a presupposition of godly versus ungodly. From what direction are you coming from? If you want to keep it as simple as it gets, what is of God and what's not? Now, presuppositions are the underlying principles we take for granted. What are your presuppositions? What are the what things you take for granted in your mind are proven beyond the shadow of a doubt? Okay? To me, I look at the cosmological argument, the cause-effect argument of why is there a God because there had to be a cause. You look at the moral argument. How do we have standards of right and wrong because it came from the first being that was there and established? The moral argument of right and wrong. You shall worship the Lord your God and the Lord your God only. He, he set that up. We find the ontological argument. You see the end and then you, you reason back to the beginning. There's, there's so many things. The presupposition, what do you take as the underlying principle? Because that's where we start. And if you don't believe a God, in a God, you end up with evolution. You end up with various things of that nature. And those affect all these other theology. If you don't believe there's a God, it'll affect your morality, it'll affect your affect your ethics, your sociology, it will affect every way that you think. So it keeps coming back to worldviews. Now, <clears throat> the godless worldviews must first seek to demoralize godly people. And that's done through a spirit of confusion. That's what Satan does. God is not the author of confusion. 1433 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14.40, let all things be done decently and according to an organized structure. So the godless worldviews must first seek to demoralize godly people done through confusion. Now, what are they trying to do now? Issues of gender, LGBTQ, whatever all those other things are. I didn't know, I had no idea there was over 60 genders floating around out there. I am just a simpleton. That reads the first chapter of the book and it says male and female he created them. Okay. I also recognize that there's a thing called a neuter 
which is neither male nor female, and it's used to describe certain things. Okay? So I'll recognize that grammatically. I have no problem when it comes to gender, male and female. That's the way it is. And now they're teaching. That's not what they're teaching in most schools anymore. And they've, they, they kind of got caught. And I'm glad they did. Issues of morality, ethics. What is, what is legitimate? What's not legitimate? There used to be laws against certain things. And now it's just a matter of whatever you want to do, do it. Whatever you can get away with it. You know, in some states right now, they've, they've raised the uh, felony age, or the felony amount, to $950. So if you don't steal over $950 worth of merchandise, it's a misdemeanor. It's called stealing. <laughs> so it is. I vote, let's go back to the, to the Mosaic Law. Depending on what you stole, you paid back not only what you stole, but three times or four times more. And if you couldn't pay it, you became a servant, a bond servant, until it was paid back at whatever the fair living wage was, whatever the fair wage was at that, that moment in time. It's a very practical thing. Very practical thing. In India, they have all these little vendors sitting out in a lot of other places, and they've got all their their wares and everything sitting out, and every now and then you'll see a, a cart that's just there, nobody attending the cart. And so you ask, why did they do that? Why did they go off? Wasn't somebody going to steal it? And they said, no, just look at all the carts up and down here. Because if somebody stole it, they wouldn't get a block away. Because... <laughs> Everybody loving their neighbor <laughs> is watching out for the other guy's stuff. You don't do that in certain places. You look at morality. You look at inflation and the issue of economics. <clears throat> you look at uh, responsibility. That takes us to law. Look at the problems we've got going on right now worldwide. And then you take these ten major areas and you go, where did it go wrong here? And you can look at it and figure out a lot of things. Responsibility. We're supposed to have responsibility for our actions. That's the way God set it up and established it. And he taught it from Adam and Eve. He taught it from early on. You have freedom, but you, you step over the line. There's a penalty that goes with it. How about emotions? That's where psychology comes in. Right now, if it, if it feels good, do it. If it don't feel good, don't do it. Well, sometimes it don't feel good to do the right thing. Just like our founders in the Declaration of Independence, they knew had a pretty good, they weren't prophets, but they had a pretty good idea of what was getting ready to happen to them. Whenever they decided they would stand against England because of the tyranny that was being put on in the colonies, when they decided to do that, then uh, they knew about what was going to happen. And and it did. How about a worship of nature? Oh, Mother Nature. Climate change. Doesn't that fall under the heading of theology? How about the courts? We have courts that... <laughs> you know, the Roe v. Wade thing was uh, expressed. Everything came out. And the next day, there were two or three other courts in Washington, D.C., or, or not Washington, D.C., but in another state, that tried to set it aside. 
And then the Supreme Court came back and said, no good, we're not even going down that path. And I was thankful that they stepped back up and they said, no, you're not pulling this stunt, and they stopped it. But they knew the decision was coming. They've been making plans ever since. And then you got people marching around in the streets. And some of the, it's interesting that the pro-life people that are out there, they love it. They are dancing. They're having a good time. And what about the pro-abortion crowd? They are displaying some of the most vile and despicable stuff that has ever been seen. Ever. And I ought to be able to look at that if you had any system of ethics and go, this side's right and this side's wrong. At least to make a pretty good decision on it. Courts of law. How about borders? As Kelvin mentioned a little earlier, nations are given borders. There'll be borders in the millennial kingdom when the Lord is seated on the throne and there's going to be borders in the eternal state and the new heavens and new earth. That something tells me there needs to be borders. There are areas that we are called to protect and defend. So there should be borders because it basically is an invasion when people come in illegally across the border. If it's an open border like in the ancient world, some of them were, you come in. But you pass that cornerstone, you pass that rock that designates this country from this country, you fall under a different set of laws. And that's the way it has always been. That's the way I believe it should stay. But when those things are attacked and criticized, then you get chaos and every evil thing. And what does James say about it? It is earthly, natural, and demonic. The application, stand firm. Here we are in our season of life. Certain things are going on that we can see and we can identify and we say, it's certainly headed in that way. Could the Lord put it off? Yes. Do I, does it look like he will? No. He's never brought everything together before in the history of the world and then said, we're going to wait a little bit longer. He brings it together and then it happens. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, Stand firm. That was the battle cry of the Roman soldiers. And whenever they went into battle, they went in there to hold their six feet of ground or die. Not sure we got enough courage left in the United States. Everybody's ready for the Lord to come back and things to get back to normal. Well, normal was corrupt. We need them to get back to some semblance of righteousness. Stand firm. Stand firm for what? Theology. Stand firm for law. Stand firm for psychology. God's the one who makes the statements about the soul. Stand firm for those things. What you know to be true because it has been revealed. Stand firm. 
That's what we're called to do in the time in which we live. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, again for your matchless grace, your amazing love for all that you have done for us. We pray, Father, that indeed your, your hand will continue to be upon us. Father, we thank you for this country. We thank you for uh, so many of the people we know inside of it. And Father, we want to pray for those that are trying to tear it apart. We know that the, somewhere along the line they have rejected you. So Father, we know it's going to take something dramatic and bold to wake them up. But Father, I pray if there's any of them out there that have not, not yet gone over that edge, which actually is all of them, that Father, the Holy Spirit would convict them in a way like never before. And that they would start making the right decisions that starts with faith. And our Lord Jesus Christ. We commit all this to you. And Father I pray for a real spirit of peace. During this time of turmoil. I ask that you give it to each and every one of us. That we may not just sit back and relax. But Father that we may have that, that peace that passes all understanding. And that other people can see it. We ask it in Jesus name. Amen.